I must have been spilling the tea because so then he goes, you were really going to spend over $100 on a plant? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, disclaimer to all of our friends out there, don't let your partners <laughs> listen to this podcast if you got something to hide. Uh-huh. Hi, Dan. Because <laughs> we will be brutally honest. Oh, yeah. We're going to tell the truth. <laughs> oh, geez, Adam. <laughs> Was that you elbowing Dalet? <laughs> <laughs> that was me laying the smack down. Anyway, that questions the amount of money I decided to spend on my uh, yeah. Don't tell him. Don't tell him about those two plants you imported last year. Mm-hmm. I would never tell him. No, actually, <laughs> just, I, I pretty just much make sure everybody. he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I think he listens to everyone. Oh shit! Hi, Dalet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, everybody, welcome to Rough Around the Hedges podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm Adam. And I'm Christine. And today we are going to talk about growing in greenhouses, more specifically the indoor ones, like the IKEA greenhouse cabinet and grow tents. Yeah. So pretty much anything that acts as an enclosure for humidity, right? Yep. Yeah. Cool. Humidity, controlled light, all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we were talking right before the episode about stuff we wanted to cover, and I think the only instance where I'm not using artificial light inside of a humidity enclosure, grow tent, etc., is when I'm like propagating a single thing in a plastic bag or container in a windowsill. Apart from that, it's almost all artificial light, so that kind of goes hand in hand with growing in greenhouses indoors. What's your greenhouse indoor setup like? indoors in my house i have one terrarium glass terrarium that i built out of old windows and that was the first thing that i ever started growing in um and that has a led grow bar just one in the top and i use it to propagate pink princesses primarily uh, but as also other stuff grows well in there um, and then i have two grow tents one upstairs in my bedroom and one in my basement six by four and a six by eight Four by eight. What do those look like on the inside? They're shiny. No, I mean, like, what's your setup look like? (laughs) (laughs) But they Uh, do have reflective walls. Exactly. It's like a mylar-coated interior, and they have multiple LED panels as well as LED strip lights hanging from the ceiling, Uh, a fan, shelving. The basement one has a heat mat on the floor. Are there plants in there? I'm getting to the plants. (laughs) There are definitely plants in there. Uh... Higher light stuff usually goes on the top shelves. Lower light stuff usually goes on the bottom shelves because that's just where the light's coming from. Uh, and it reflects, neat, like, I think the reflective walls help too, just bounce light and boost ambient light throughout the whole tent. So I'm trying to think if I've got any other. I used to have two terrariums, but the huger one, like the huger glass terrarium that I built later, it never really held humidity as well as the first one that I built. And also when I got the grow tent, I was like, I don't need this huge glass box on a table. Uh, So that's the current setup for me. How about you? How about you guys? Uh, So I don't have like a grow tent. I didn't go and I haven't bought like a plant growing grow tent. I have created my own um, with uh, shelves. The first one I did was just like an Ikea shelf that I was had been using to like store makeup and hair products and stuff. Um, and then I started putting plants on them and I bought little panels. So like each shelf has its own little light panel. And then I got a hair up my butt one day and said, I want to give this more humidity too. And I just found a like greenhouse cover. Uh, so something that you would take outside and have like rods and stuff in it to make a greenhouse. I found just the cover and that was in the same dimensions of the shelf and threw that on there. And is it just white or clear plastic? Mm -hmm, Just clear plastic with zippers. And saw that the, you know, the humidity spiked and it was made the plants a lot happier. So I, that's kind of my own like makeshift greenhouse slash cheap Ikea cabinet. After you did that, how many more did you go out and buy? How many more? Of the shelving units. Of that one specifically, zero. No, but like you found a better solution. Yep. I found a more utilitarian solution actually. So so how many of those do you have? One right now. Um. And so, yeah, I went out to Home Depot and just bought a 48 by 24 by 72, like, um, shelving unit. Plastic? And metal. Hmm. Metal uh, wire um, shelves, so you don't have to worry about, you know, stuff staying solid. I also went back to my Ikea, going back to my Ikea shelf, I took out, it had glass shelves. I took all that out and I put wire in, Hmm. um, so it has a better airflow going through the whole thing. 
And so, yeah, my Home Depot shelf, same deal. Um, I have, they're not the Barina brand, but I found some LED T5s on Amazon. And I put those in. Each Again, each shelf has two to give it a nice spread. Um, and then found a, like, food cover for it. So, like, it's something that you would see in restaurants. But, again, clear plastic um, that has the same dimensions. And I throw that on. And it's got ventilated. It can open up multiple ways on both sides of it. So, like, I can vent out however I want to. If I need to, I don't need to. Um yeah. So I'm very more like. You get the job done versus yes. aesthetics. I'm not as much aesthetics. I'm as this is going to give me the most bang for my buck and be able to shove in as many plants as possible. And did you get rid of your dining room table to put more plants in? I got a smaller dining room table <laughs> to fit <laughs> my plants. <laughs> the idea was in my dining room, I was going to put multiple of these shelves and I still might. And then just have like a little like bistro style table in the center so you can be surrounded by uh, Mm. plants while you eat. That's cool. It reminds me of when I made the decision to get my first grow tent and put it in my bedroom. I I looked hard. I looked like far and wide for a six foot by four foot dimension one because I really, that was the perfect size to fit in the space that I have in my room. If I went any bigger, I'd be blocking windows and doorways. But if I went any smaller, I wouldn't be maximizing the amount of grow space that I could I could use, but I definitely downsized my bed at that point in order to fit my first grow tent into my <laughs> the bed. The sacrifices we <clears throat> yeah. make to grow our plants. Yeah. yeah. So, Kaylin, how about you? What is your grow well, tent? Well, I don't have any sacrifices that I made <laughs> to get more growth <laughs> space, but uh, I have. So, my first one that I have is I call it my off brand IKEA cabinet because it is a wood entertainment center I pulled out of a dumpster. And it has, I, I ripped out the shelf that was, or it was like a vertical divider. So I ripped that out. So it's just like a little open box. It's about two feet, call, two feet tall by like mm, three and a half to four feet long and then two feet deep. So it's like a nice little box. Um, it has two wide doors on the front that open up. And then I have all the plants just on the base level. If I need to raise or lower my plants, I just stick them on like a little a pot or something, or I have a couple like little wood blocks I use to raise stuff up to get it closer to the light. And then I have some Barina T5s in there. So I think I have, oh, six. I think I have six. So I have three, three different rows and then they're side by side. And then they overlap a little bit in the middle. So in the middle is where I put my higher light plants because there's a total of six Barinas overlapping for about eight inches. Uh, in there and then I have a little USB fan that I run Uh, the back of the entertainment center had two little slits for pulling your cords out Um, and so that's the only airflow like ventilation that I have going on I did weather strip the front two doors of the cabinets just to hold a little bit more humidity in there so I find when the plants are watered it stays between 60 and 70 percent humidity and then when everything dries out and um, I need to water. It drops down to like 50, which is where I'm at now. I have to go home and water. <laughs> uh, and then beyond that, I have a grow tent in my basement. Um, Adam was the one who inspired me to get a grow tent because he was just raving about his. Woo-hoo. And I moved into a house. So I had a whole basement and a whole creepy basement to fill with plants. <laughs> and so I immediately went big and I went for the, what is it, four by eight? Yeah, so I got the 4x8 grow tent, and then I have four different LED panels in there that uh, Adam actually originally found out of Amazon that are super powerful. So those are rigged up to the bars across the top, and then I have the plants on different uh, little shelves to get them closer or further away to the light based on their light needs. And so I have it measured that everybody at like the middle level is getting about a 1,000 foot candles, and I leave the tent on for 12 hours and then if it's a plant that wants less light like gloriosum or cupria those are sitting either in the darker corners or at a lower height Um, and then they can get a little bit less light that way and then airflow is really important so I have a big fan in there that was actually I had two fans in my greenhouse outside last year and when I put the tent up down in the basement in March I stole one of those fans 
And then I put my greenhouse up, so I had to go buy another fan. So I have three of these fans that I'm using, but it's rigged up to a two by four that's suspended from the ceiling. And then it just sits in there and oscillates and blows my air around for me. So that's what my setup looks like. And I also, so now that we kind of have some idea of what each of our uh, humidity enclosure grow tent setup looks like, I want to talk a little bit about like why it can be helpful. Like what is the purpose to grow inside of a cabinet or a terrarium or a grow tent or like even just an enclosed plastic greenhouse inside of your home? Like what, what, what inspired you guys to start doing that, Christine? For me, I wanted to, I was getting to the point where my plants were starting to grow and I was going to need to propagate. And I was, my initial thought was I'm going to have like a little, it was like a nursery situation. Like I'm going to have all of my props like live in this because that's just going to help them be more successful. Um, and while I was at it, I threw, I, this was back when I was still on my Calathea kick and like Calathea is like humidity. They're going to be happier in there. So I threw those in there too and saw how well they did. Um, so it's just kind of from there, you know, stuff that besides species that want more humidity naturally, like pl some, most plants are going to just going to do better in a humidity aspect. Um, so I have multiple, that's tier one. Like there's plant plants that are going to benefit from humidity. I went that route because I had humidifiers in my house, but that was leaving such a nasty like residue everywhere for stuff that like if I had a humidifier just sitting in my bedroom, even though it upped the humidity in my room a little bit, it was just leaving like gross residue. So I was like, I want to get away from that. So it was a little more of a control there as well. I and like, then, I like that you mentioned that. Cause that totally, I forgot that that was, it's been a while now since I got the tents, but that was totally a reason for me too. Cause I was trying to cram plants into my bedroom and I was like trying to keep the humidity really high in there. And I was like, this isn't comfortable for me. Right. But not also not even high enough that the plants could tolerate more. Truly, you know? yeah, yeah. So I was like living, the bedroom was at like maybe 50, 55. And, but then that's when I start, like you notice that the house itself isn't liking having that much humidity. So I'm like, oh, I got to knock that down. Um, so that's another reason why I started making my shelves. Um, and the light control, that is a nice one when you start getting the, LED lights to grow your plants in, and then you have a little more control over what they're getting and they benefit from seeing all of that. What about you? What, Caitlin? Why do you, why uh, do you start growing in humidity? So it was in, during COVID, I ran out of room for plants and I wanted more plants. So the only thing I could do is to get more grow lights. And then I, you know, Ikea greenhouses were taking off and I found this sweet dumpster find. So I was like, let's see if this works. You know, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, wood is going to warp and shit. But like the wood I have in my cabinet is solid enough that I haven't had any issues. Um, but yeah, no, I was able to put plants inside of it and then I got a uh, Soltec aspect light so I could put plants above it. <laughs> and now in the house, it functions as a plant stand in front of one of my South windows. So I have plants on top of it and I have plants inside of it and just so many plants. But yeah, the whole humidity and keeping your, um, like I had to run, ran the humidifier in the bedroom and it was obnoxious having to fill that thing every day. I did it for a whole year and then I was like, there's gotta be a better way. I hate this. So I have not ran a humidifier since. And if things need humidity, they go inside the cabinet or the tent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think for me, it absolutely, at the end of the day, it came down to just having a large space with high humidity that was a game changer because i had been working for a number of years with this small glass terrarium and like picking and choosing which plants i would propagate and grow inside of it was such a delicate like like painstaking process for me because i was my collection was growing and growing but i was seeing the way certain things reacted that the whole terrarium it's not a planted terrarium it's just a like a glass house that it sits on top of a pebble tray like a large plastic pebble tray for humidity which i refill periodically but seeing the way the plants reacted to that terrarium which initially i intended to be a planted terrarium to be a more of like an aesthetic ornamental piece 
in my space. And it really turned into a utilitarian, like, this is fantastic for propagating rare stuff that I'm going to be selling. Uh, my The pink princesses, I've been growing them in that terrarium ever since I have had the pink princess. And it just makes the, the glossiness and the artificial, they, they love the LED light. The, the variegation seems to respond. I don't know that that's just mental or what maybe we can do it happy accident a whole a whole episode <laughs> on that planned. later but but just seeing that it's just the humidity really and the the ease of propagation where it's warmer like the the other thing about growing in the enclosed space is the the lights actually heat it up when they're on like because it's totally it's rather well sealed off so small increases in heat generation inside from the led lights they actually increase the temperature in the whole enclosure. And so during the day when the lights are on, the temperature goes up, mm-hmm. the light goes up, and they have it simulates a kind of a daily heat cycle. So it became a point of like, wow, I could do this on a much larger scale if I just got a grow tent and lights. And I saw pictures and videos of other people growing kind of really fun plants in grow tents that in ways that you just can't really simulate in regular ambient household humidity especially during the winter in freezing cold Minnesota. So that was why for me it was like aerial roots and warmth and humidity. Right. That's a huge, I didn't even think about the temperature thing. Like in the middle of the winter where my stuff that's in front of windows and I'm panicking that, you know, it's getting lower than 65 in there for them. My tents or my shelves are like sitting at 86. That's nice. My tent's in the basement. So it also gets cold in the winter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the the heat thing is, it totally makes a difference. And I found that just from, even before I had grow tents and I was just propagating stuff in grow, grow containers, which I think we could include is a humidity enclosure, right. just like a tiny little takeout container. I would put it on the shelf right above my LED light panel and just a little bit of extra warmth like rising off the panel made a difference compared to my little like prop boxes that were just in front of a window or not necessarily receiving a boost of heat. That's where I'm growing my alocasia corms right now is in little, they're like this little soup takeout containers, the tall ones in perlite on top of my little window shelf that has grow lights right below it. Mm-hmm. So it just adds the perfect amount of those takeout containers are the best, the, <sighs> specifically the soup ones. Yeah. The, like most are mine are from best. pho. Yes. Or pho and curry, but oh yeah, they're clear. The lids snap on. And they're, they're tall. the right size. So yeah, you the can tall. leave them in there for a while. So yeah. not only do you have an excuse to like eat amazing curry <laughs> and pho, but you also like have the, uh, the benefit of being able to be like, hey, I don't, I don't actually have to throw all this money plastic mm-hmm, away, yeah. and I don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to use buy new plastic. Nope. Right, you don't need to buy plastic. You can just like recycle Hoard what it. you have. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the humidity is, I think, magical in a way. When mm-hmm. it comes to plants, it's like it changes the game. And we should mention that it's not specifically for all plants, like desert-adapted p- plants, cactuses, succulents, and that can be dangerous to mm-hmm. grow in high humidity because of fungal infections and things that the plant and just isn't doesn't have defenses right. built in to deal with but so that might lead well into the next point that we wanted to make which was what grows well what grows well what plants did you choose to put into uh your grow tent and why everything i i find most stuff reacts favorably to the humidity but i have limited space so i've prioritized who needs it more than others so some plants that I've found in my own collection that need humidity and I won't grow them anywhere else now is um, Begonia brevrimosa, uh, Begonia rex. Um, those are, let's see, those are the two main ones. Um, for sure, they don't look as nice when they're not in humidity. Um, but like my Gloriosum also likes the humidity. Uh, Cupria prefers the humidity. My Aslanii was struggling outside of the tent. Um, so I threw them in there. Um, that's, that's, oh, and then begonia amphioxus and uh, string of turtles. I couldn't do turtles outside of humidity for some reason. Yeah. So. Anytime I, if I am bringing a new plant home, I kind of default to it's going to go into a shelf. 
until it acclimates and or basically until it gets too big. Um, I have, I have in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about getting another like Home Depot style shelf so that I can have less shelves and more height. So if stuff like my allocation chantry, if that is how you pronounce Chantry-ry. it, chantry, sure. never say it correctly. It could do, it would be happier being in humidity, but it's just gotten too big for my shelves. So it's currently living in regular household. Well, it's currently living outside, but. When didn't you have to pull your elbow out too? Cause it was too tall. It's I, uh, nope. It's in shelf. Oh. I, <laughs> I put it on a stake and the stake was too tall, but I managed to like get it up in the grates. <laughs> but yesterday I actually took that stake out and put it on a, one of those like stackable moss poles. So it was able to go back in a lot easier. Um, so everything, I mean, I don't think I've come across anything that has not liked being in humidity. My Hoya Polyner did not like being in the amount of light. So that has gone out because I mean, it was sun stressing and it wasn't a pretty sun stress. I prefer the darker green Polyner. So that has come out just because of that aspect. Everything else has done well, has, mm. has definitely liked the boost, but I don't grow cactus or succulents. Mm. So I don't have to really worry about that. Yeah, I think you what you just said reminded me of another reason why I bought the grow tents, which is like my terrarium wasn't tall enough. It was like I'm I grow I love growing plants vertically, so I was struggling with, you know, only having two feet or so to right. allow them to climb. A foot and a half because it's yeah. a s- triangle yeah. at the top. Except for in the very center where right. it's the you know, the roof roof peaks on the terrarium, there's a little bit of extra height there. But it was just I wanted to be able to have a four foot tall plant on a pole. Mm -hmm. And so the grow tent was just like, oh, providing all of that extra space. But in terms of what grows in humidity, yeah, pretty much props. Like all the props love it. And except for when I'm growing, you know, Haworthias, Crassulas, any type of cactus, any type of sedum or echeveria, any of those desert plants, they're like, that's just not where they want to be. Mm-hmm. Even the even the string of pearls, like string of pearls, string of heart, not string See, of heart. See, I can do both of those in humidity. Yeah. To prop. Yeah. I pull just, them out eventually. You but. just have to be careful. And you have really good circulation in your, um, in both of your different humidity spaces, I think. So I think it's possible to grow desert plants in high humidity, but you really need to be careful about having good circulation. And well, like the light. string, the pearls and the hearts, they're not drying out completely, completely all the time and staying dry for three weeks. That's no. not, that's not their deal. So You're right. the cactus would want to stay way drier. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. And it also depends on light too. So in, in brighter, brighter conditions, you're going to have more, you're going to have less risk with those desert plants, but I don't see any reason to put them in like take up space in my terrarium or yeah. grow tent using desert plants when they propagate well in regular humidity levels in my home. But I think the main thing is propagations. And then there are certain things like the pink princess that I've tried so hard to acclimate to regular humidity and it just never looks as good. Mm-hmm. Like it just, they're always a little bit more dull looking and the ones in the tent are like, produce these really glossy, perfect leaves. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to think of other examples of stuff that just performs really well in tents. But I can also think of times when plants don't, like there's a benefit, there's a cost benefit of like natural light too. Like natural light provides something that the humidity in the grow tents might, you might have to like, weigh the pros and cons because natural light does something that sometimes led can't do Mm -hmm. for certain plants when it comes to maturation in aeroids specifically or also triggering growth when sometimes grow lights can't seem to do that i don't know i mean i think my allocation seem to do better in south window than they do under lights yeah yeah exactly that could just be the way i take care of them too so that could factor into a decision as to what what type of plants to go into humidity and whatnot too. Well, like you guys both said, you know, your plants will eventually outgrow your space. And I have found that too. But like I have a bunch of plants that some people have to grow in humidity, but 
they have come out of my tent and they're mature at this point and they're established and they don't need that humidity. Right. Like I have a flawless regal shield alocasia right now that is giving me leaves that are two feet tall, uh, approximately 1.5 babies. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's not getting any humidity. It lives in my house. Uh, it gets south facing window light and it is, I'm, I have 12 leaves right now. It's yeah. putting out its 12th leaf. What? I know. I'm a wizard. An allocation? Yeah. It's holding that? I have in? a picture. Well, I've seen it. I mean, yeah. I, just I took a recent 12. picture of all 12. That's insane. Yeah. It's putting out its 12th as and we the, speak. That's, yeah, going back, because I said that basically if I get a new plant, it goes straight into a shelf because I'm usually getting something small. Oh, yeah. Or cutting or whatever. So this, it's definitely, these are benefits. Once you get to the mature plant, I mean, it can stay there. It'll be happy, but you doesn't necessarily have to stay in there. Yeah, the you can only, acclimate it to the outside. Yeah, I mean, I put all my Hoyas in because they definitely like it, but the only Hoya that I have found that is like needs to be in the humidity is the variegated Husqualiana. Like that is, I mean, yours were struggling. That's so and the first funny I because you put it in. mine does better just in the room. Mm. Put it in yeah. No, no, no. It did. You've seen mine. I know, I know, I know. I, my, my problem was I started it over and so now it's being yeah. stupid, but it didn't, I, I'll try it, right. but I... I it's, it's interesting, too, because even if two separate people are growing the same exact type of plant, sometimes just the your habits, just the way you care, your care habits well, yours make, is it, in make the difference. Mm-hmm. Mine's in Lekka. Mm-hmm. I think we use the same fertilizer and new pH balance. Nope. Oh. I don't need to because, like, my natural I do it my for my water alocasia. isn't that bad. Okay. And it, I do it for like my alocasia, the, which then transfers over to my other plants. Yeah, my, my water sits on the, like just on like the basic side of the range of mm-hmm. what you want your plants to be. So I've just stopped. They seem to be okay. Yeah. And you give yours humidity and I don't, I give mine a shit ton of light and you also give yours a shit ton of light. But I think, yeah, it should just be you as an individual need to observe your plants and decide what's working well. Like if it's, if it's responding positively mm-hmm. to an increase in humidity, then leave it, you know, do that. Um, but if you see like, I'm just thinking of like, the plants that I've gotten to grow really large and mature, especially aeroids, it's been using window light. It's not been using LED light. Right. So, you know, that that's just a, something I've noticed. I also come out here and tell you, you don't give your tent lights. You don't give your plants enough tent light. So right. that could be part of it too. Yeah, that's true. I guess I could try to like in, just pull the the lights closer to the foliage, or just yeah, just use, use a light meter and see where they're at, and then adjust accordingly. Yeah, but yeah, no, I agree. Nothing beats the sunlight. Yeah, if you have it available. So now the IKEA greenhouse cabinet trend, uh, super popular. People are all over that. They eat that shit up. They can't even keep them in stock at our local IKEA. Um, what are you, what are your takes on that? I like for a little while, I really wanted one cause they look nice. I mean, you do have to put a lot of effort into them though. I think to get them to be a indoor greenhouse, right? Cause there's the weather stripping, there's the lights, there's the fans, there's, you know, drilling holes into them to do all that. I mean, at the end of the day... Having I'd to buy new shelves. Buying, have to buy different shelves because you have to take the glass out and put wire in or completely take them out and then get, like, the... There's I know there's people that 3D print, like, the corner stuff, so you have some... Oh, there are acrylic shelves. Height, or the acrylic shelves. $40 so, shelves. At the end of the day, like, to me, that just seemed like... The aesthetics is nice, but the overall space you're getting out of it, the overall, all of the work you have to put into it, I wasn't really interested in that. And at that point I had started doing my smaller shelf and I was like, this works just fine. Like I will just do it this way. I can put more in, I can have tears to it. So I have more control over the lighting. Um, and they just, that just worked for me better. Mm-hmm. I definitely think, um, uh, aesthetics, 10 out of 10 space available for plants, two out of 10. They are just, they're, they're on such on the small side. And like, if you have small plants, it would probably work great, but like I am a monster and grow large plants on accident and slash on purpose. Uh, they just would not fit in a greenhouse cabinet. Mm. I could probably get away with props and like, you know, small plants that I just started over and that's it. Nothing else is going to fit in there. 
Yeah, I think I always was I always gravitated towards the IKEA cabinets that had been planted, like mm-hmm. a planted terrarium style where somebody like completely retrofitted the cabinet and like used uh different materials to create like a natural looking background mm-hmm. and the glue moss on there and peat and whatever people do and like plant things directly into it. I always thought that looked really cool, like put a big piece of driftwood in there or something. But at the same time, that gives me anxiety. Like plants, like a planted terrarium gives me anxiety. I really like to be able to pull out the plant and move it somewhere else. Because as plants grow, they need to be, often they need to be moved. Like Mm -hmm. they need to be resituated. They need to be pruned or like the amount of light needs to change as as they grow closer to a light. Or I don't know, just the inability to move things around inside of the planted terrarium deterred me so those i thought looked the coolest but at the same time seemed the least practical for me personally and i had people question me when i got the grow tent like well you can't you can't see the plants now you can't look at them and what's the point of having them if you can't look at them (laughs) oh but you open the tent and it's a surprise right like the feeling that i get when i open the tent and it's especially during the winter and it's like a freezing day and I go inside this like warm pod of plant growth. With that smell. Yep. Oh, it, 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 it has so like much. the it has like the smell of a conservatory mm-hmm. botanical garden inside of like a giant greenhouse or inside of the jungle. I just let it waft over my face <laughs> for the first like thirty seconds. Yeah, and the humi- the humidity is like good for your skin, and they, like it's just a concentration of oxygen. Just put your bed in there. <laughs> like it'd grow mold. <laughs> But no, so, so the, the cabinets, I saw them as this trend and I, I already had my terrarium, my, my window homemade terrarium. And I was pretty like, I was like playing the devil's advocate the whole time. Like you guys can have your fancy Ikea cabinets, but I'm going to stick with my like homemade jerry rigged stuff. Right. And then the, the practicality and the, the spaciousness of a six foot by four foot walk in tent, just like. Oh, it blows it out of the water. It blows it out. Yeah. And compared to like a little two by four yeah. cabinet. And it comes down to, and I, I don't bash anyone for choosing to grow in cabinets because you're right, Kaylin, they're really aesthetic and nice. And if you work them into your decor in your home, like I respect that. I totally respect that. Um, but yeah, just for me. Uh, Cost-wise, because you're looking at two two fifty for a cabinet, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have to buy all the stuff to put in it. But like the grow tent that I got, four by eight foot, hundred and sixty-four dollars for four by eight feet. What? Right, and you don't have what? to worry. The only thing at that point you're adding is the lights and the fan. I mean, you have to get a bigger fan than you would if you had to get an IKEA fan. And ironic, it's actually double the price of one of those little USB fans. So like way better fan for only double the price is just kind of like goofy to me. Um, you got to put more lights in there. Um, and you know, if I want, so eventually, eventually I'll spend the money to get wire shelves and rig those all up with lights, but that's just a cost that I don't, I don't need that much more space right now. So I haven't put the money towards it, but I can do that. I can go vertical, have way more room. Um, and then, yeah, I guess that's the cost. Otherwise would be, not necessarily similar. You don't have to weather strip a tent. It's already it already comes yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah. but I, yeah, just, just cost per space. It's just right unbeatable with a tent. The tent itself is the main expense, and then I think well, you could you could choose to spend a lot on grow lights, but maybe we could link the that grow light that you and I that grow they panel discontinued it. On they the, discontinued yeah, it. Yeah, I couldn't find them because oh, no. I went. I, well, I needed a fourth one, so I just bought Christine's offers instead of finding yeah. a new one because they were they were gone. Yeah, they work quite well, but that that can be a large expense. Grow lights, but but you can get a lot more plants out of it if you do the tent route versus the cabinet route and so you're able to go taller you're, able to go you're taller. not limited by your uh, foot and a half right. ikea cabinet spacing right and it kind of comes back to what you were talking about earlier christine with having taller with having the height and you can choose to put plants higher up closer to light or you can you can kind of layer things so mm-hmm. keep the canopy of different types of plants at different distances from those lights to get the to optimize the growth for all these different varieties of plants. 
So I think it makes sense from that perspective as well. Yeah. Well, now moving on to lights and accessories that we're going to outfit, either our IKEA cabinets or our grow tents or our homemade jerry-rigged options up with. Um, I guess, do you guys want to talk about what kind of lights you use or what you see works and what doesn't? Go from there. Sure. So you guys were talking about those super, super strong panels, Mm -hmm. the Amazon ones. Um, I started with those, and... So my light, my shelves are about 18 inches away from each other. So that's about how much space I have in my larger one to work with. And so when I first started, I I had those panels in. And even though I was getting massive amounts of light, it was drying out my space too much. Drying out the shelf too much. Even with the air circulation, it was just getting way too dry. And so then I tried to put a humidifier in. And then it was getting way too humid. I was sitting at like... You couldn't even like look into the shelf. It was just fog. <laughs> um, and as much as the plants were probably really enjoying it, they were starting to stay wet. And so like it was this it was it was having a really hard time finding a nice ecosystem that I could replicate in there. Um, so I got rid of those panels. Well, I didn't get rid of them. I still have them. I will use them if and when I do need them. And I moved to the um, T5s. And those are really nice because they come with reflector like pieces to them so you can kind of angle them so I have them that's why I can get away with two on either side of the shelf so they can like go inward Mm. and that's where I can decide you know if it needs more light we're going to go right in the center versus towards the edges and all that fun stuff so that once soon as I swapped to those immediately stuff started to regulate itself out I don't need any added humidity um the the shelves stay at like 76 to 90 percent they kind of you know they fluctuate in the day because that's just how it works um so yeah, they just that has changed my game for me up a lot by switching out to those guys. And then in the smaller shelf, um, I just found these little hokey, like super thin panels on Amazon. They were like twenty dollars a piece, and they they work great. They my plants are sitting at like eight hundred foot candles, so they they're working. And what do you you have eight hundred foot candles for twelve hours? Yes, fourteen hours. Twelve hours. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the other ones give off about? Eight to 12, depending on like how close they are getting. Gotcha. And then again, 12. 12, 12 hours. hours. Okay. That is an important thing that I pe- think a lot of people gloss over. When they buy a grow light, they're like, oh, a grow light. I will put it here and I will leave it on and it will grow my plant. But like you really have to take a light measurement to see how much light they're actually giving off because then you can determine how long to leave them on for appropriately. Uh, because if you have a dim light, you can leave it on for 16 hours and your plant is going to get the same amount of light as if you had a brighter light and then you only left it on for eight hours. Right. And that was the other thing with those massive panels. Like they're, they're really good, um, but they were just way too close to my plant. So we were sitting at like 1,800 to 2,000 foot candles. And you'd only need that on for like, what, five hours I would only turn it on for five hours. So it was like on, <laughs> off, and done for the day. And I was like, okay. And so And stuff was like kind of washing out too. So yeah. I'm just in a better place. I'd with be, the other ones. I'd be curious to see, like, because I don't think it, cal- it re- calculates out exactly, like, you can just run it, like, dura- you can just modify the duration and make it much shorter, even though the intensity is so high, mm-hmm. and your plants will grow exactly the same as having a lower intensity for much longer. I'm not sure that it works exactly like that. I think you can still burn things with just blasting them with a really high intensity light for like an hour and then having mm-hmm. it shut off and be mm-hmm. complete darkness for, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't exactly calculate out to, there should be a balance of duration and intensity that you have to figure out. You can measure the light, you can experiment. And I, I would recommend doing both of those things mm-hmm. when you are interacting with a new light or with a new plant for the first time. I was working, so when I first put stuff, I got my tent in March for the, not exclusive purpose, but the main purpose of it at the time was to um, grow up my elbow cuttings. I had 18 little plants that I made from cutting up my mother plants, so I needed a space for those because I didn't have any space for them when all my plants were inside. Um, but I, I started with like, hmm, I grow panels on for like eight hours or something. And then I worked up every, every week I'd leave them on for like an hour longer until I got up to 16 hours. Because like I said, I'm a monster. 
Um, and you know, they had built up their little suntan by then, so they didn't burn immediately. But after like a couple months in there, I did start to notice that I was getting that washed out foliage. Everything was the color of Kermit the frog mm-hmm. instead of a nice deep green. Um, and so like they, that didn't happen overnight that happened over the length of time. So seeing that recognizing, um, uh, I did pull the, the, they're established enough. I pulled the remaining five out to grow in my windows until they're ready to be sold. Um, but now I have the tent sitting at the same light intensity, just on for 12 hours instead of 16. Cause just overall it was a little bit too much. Right. But you know, I worked my way up and I find my limit and then I pulled myself back. And now I think I'm sitting at a really nice, you know, like, I guess I think everything's getting eight to 800 to a thousand foot candles for 12 hours based on where it's at. And then of course I have some getting less in the dimmer corners. So right. I think everything's at a really good, it is a really good balance right now in my tent. Yeah. I, th- I think growing in the tent just requires, it kind of requires similar insight as growing in windows. You just have to, I don't know, observe, the observance, right? You got to like take an experimental approach, figure out how much light the plant is getting and how it's reacting to different levels of light and then try to be consistent with and what imme- works. Immediately, it's not going to be a set it and forget it. You need to work with it, be willing to tone it back or dial it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important to explain to anybody that's just getting into growing inside using grow lights. And they, like I said, at the very beginning of this episode, it totally goes hand in hand with growing in any type of cabinet or grow tent or anything like that. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. And we'll touch more on grow lights in a specific grow light centered episode. So we're giving you a little bit of a rundown, but we're not going to deep dive into it right now. We could do like a whole episode on light. Oh yeah. Natural light, grow light, Mm -hmm. windowless bathrooms. Fuck you guys. Uh, In in the Discord, everyone's been giving me shit about putting their plants in windowless spaces. And I'm just... It's it's tombstone emoji after tombstone emoji Mm -hmm. after tombstone emoji for me. People come into the nursery where I work and uh, I'm like... And ask me for a plant that can do low light. And I'm like... Well, yeah, here's this and Describe this. Describe low light. And well, what kind of, you know, what kind of light are you talking about? Does the room have a window? And they're like, no. <laughs> well, I'm like, well, does the room have like fluorescent lights that are consistently on or anything? And they're like, mm, no. So I'm like, okay, well, what I can recommend to you here's is a plant that's slow, that dies this most slow mm. in that situation. You guys have a couple of fake plants at Highland. Yeah. You could, uh, I could just be like, take oh, them over to. fantastic too. one. It's made out of plastic. You're welcome. <laughs> Water it once a month. <laughs> you know, Ikea even has those fake variegated monsteras that yeah. you could put in your house to yeah. look really bougie. They look great. Mm. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> the face Adam's making right now, everybody. I wish you could see it. But do you guys want to cover any, like, other accessories that you use? Fans. Fans. I was just going to say, oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, fans for the fans. Mm-hmm. Fans are important. Fans of the fans. What about like, does it, does, um, bringing air in from outside or piping air out from inside, is that important with the plants that you grow? I feel like having just a little bit of an air exchange is important. So like I have the back vents, not, they're not vents, those little cutouts of my entertainment center. Little holes. Yeah. Those are fine. I do have a couple like holes in my grow tent that I leave open just to allow a little bit of that air exchange, but I don't like pipe in fresh air. like actively facilitating... Yeah, and my shelves it's doing it, it's aren't, on its own. My shelves aren't fully enclosed. So at the bottom when the where the plastic ends, like there's obviously air coming up. They don't there. have a bottom. Mm-hmm. Yep, they don't have like completely closed about bottom. So they're mm-hmm. doing a little bit of exchange there. It's not crazy. Um I would assume that's helping. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's about the same for, for my situation. Uh it's not intentional. It's just I leave them cracked open maybe here and there and air gets in and out in the little spaces that are open and that's about all the exchange but i do keep fans in the big tents right both the tents that i have Mm -hmm. yeah i think fans no matter what you're growing in in closed spaces a fan is mandatory yes you need to allow for that exchange of air um so a prop box just take the lid off every day put the lid back on that gets the job done i mean or when you remember Mm -hmm. I, I definitely have not been burping my uh, allocasia containers <laughs> because I'm too busy. But my allocasia, sure. I don't 
really. Yeah. They, they're not. I, they're just in there to sprout. So I'm like, oh. yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. It's not like I'm actively yeah, growing leaves in there. For my terrarium, I don't have a fan. It's right. just a really humid box with a right. light. I wonder if you did put like a mini fan in there. What you would, because it it'll it'll you know keeps the humidity a little more consistent mm-hmm. and just allows for that exchange of air. Yeah, so I wonder yeah. I wonder what you would see as a benefit if you did add a tiny fan in there. Yeah, and I'm just thinking of all the prop boxes that I've done over the years, where it's just a bunch of Hoya cuttings in like you know chunky mix in a box, and it just goes nuts. And there are also those closed terrarium situations that you see where that never open. Yeah, it's like a fern that's just been oh, growing. Yeah. For, yeah. for like a decade. Well, those aren't what we're talking about exactly. No. In terms of putting fans in. But in terms of what we are talking about, like it's interesting, right, to, to, to note that there are situations where plants can grow without any, in, in a completely closed ecosystem for years yeah. without any fresh air coming through. That's wild. Yeah, I don't really fully understand how the f- they do that. <laughs> <laughs> Part of me wants to try it, but I also don't want to like ruin a five-gallon carboy yeah. by putting stuff I can't take out in there. <laughs> yeah i would also say in terms of accessories i've seen people use uh, like co2 inside of grow tents you can get bags of uh this i don't even know what you would call it it's like material that off gases co2 mm-hmm. and it can like dramatically increase the uh, the rate of growth in plants um interesting i haven't tried it but i've seen it um and you have to be careful because too much CO2 can actually burn the foliage. Yeah. But it's like a similar, it's like a way of fertilizing through gas, like right. gas through the air rather than wow. um, through like moisture through the soil. I know there's like, it reminds me of fertilizing with foliar spray kind of. It's that, it's a similar idea where the, the plant through its pores is just taking in some kind of substance. Mm-hmm. Um so that could be an accessory to look into, fans. Uh, this one seems fairly obvious, but I'm going to point it out anyway. Timers. Timers. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, that's just a quality of life for yourself, so you don't have to sit there and remember Ugh, to right. turn stuff off or and those, on every uh, day. those digital timers where you can just set it on your phone, ooh, I only have one, but they're nice. I haven't gotten that fancy, but I do have um, power strips that have a timer built into them. Those are that's so loud, awesome. but they are nice. I don't find them being too loud, but I do like that there is a constant power side and a timed side. See, and I want eight slots of timed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could probably get those too, but that's yeah. help. I mean, I guess I don't have anything in the constant power side, but I would, you know, if I wanted to. See, that I have my I computer have, and my printer hooked up to the constant power that side. That way I could have, if I wanted my fan to be on all the time, I could. Yeah. But then the lights come on. And yeah. And yeah was, those are definitely worth the price. I kind of go the opposite direction and I recommend always to get the simplest type of timer. I, uh, people that get grow lights, I always recommend to get the kinds that don't have built-in timers because those little dinky, like, digital timers, can they can bust, and there's nothing you can do. And they're more expensive, usually, and a grow light that doesn't have a dimmer and that just has an outlet that you just plug right into an analog timer that is, like, $3.99 at Menards. I've been using the same $3.99 timer, like, set of six that I got from Menards, like, five years ago mm-hmm. for the last five years without any issues. I want to say the digital timer that I mentioned is just the, the plug, not it's the like actual a smart. Yeah. The smart, the yeah. smart plug. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah. I only have one of those. I have all the cheapos too. Analog ones. But is, if they're really three ninety nine, Yeah. Yeah. Hard, that's where I need to go because I, uh, I use them for Christmas lights in the, uh, holiday season. Like yeah. I just put Christmas lights in every window. <laughs> yeah. So I need a lot of timers. I had a few, I have a couple of those, like real cheap Amazon grow lights that have the built in, like you press it twice. It's for six hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've started to use those just in the winter to help supplement light. Um, but I noticed back when I was using those more full time that if for any reason, if you ever lose power, they suck because when you get power back on, they either a don't come on or B they just come on and stay on mm, where the, the little timer dial things, those are nice because they just like you're just behind that many hours or yeah. whatever. So all you have to do is just go and like turn them back it's on. It's fully customizable. Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of a big proponent of analog in a lot of different situations, yeah. but particularly with the with the timers, just because it gives you control and it's just simpler, less things to to break. There's no computer chip inside of it. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what other accessories? Wire shelves instead of glass shelves. I would that go say wall if you to can wall? do the wire shelves because it just helps with that airflow coming all the way through. So much better. Yeah. Um, 
it also helps, I guess it keeps things a little cleaner if you're watering and so it's not sitting there pooling on the glass. That was really annoying to try and clean the glass all the time. Yeah, it gets really cloudy. Yeah, you touch that. it and you leave your fingerprint behind. But I mean, arguably, LECA, like one thing that I found when I started growing in really high humidity is in the winter, like when the, in the off season, when I try to propagate things in soil and they're not moving very fast, I'll get more gnats. Mm. Uh, whereas in LECA, there's no organic material and it can sit can stay at really high humidities for long periods of time with a plant that's just starting to grow actively without necessarily attracting the gnats as fast. Um, and you can just flush it and flush it and facilitate that gas exchange through flushing more frequently. Whereas if it's in soil, you have to wait for it to use up a certain amount of moisture before you can water it to facilitate gas, gas exchange and growth. I have a question. What is a good humidity range to aim for in our cabinets? I think that 70 to 90 is really nice. And you definitely don't want to go up to 100%. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to stay too close to that side of it. And mm -hmm. it's not wrong. I'm not it's saying like if you hit 100, it's not like don't freak out. If it's coming down from it, that's okay. Uh, right? Like, so as long as you're not staying at 100% for 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. that's, you don't want that. Yeah. I see, for me, I like uh, 50 to 80. That's That's my range. That's where I want to stay. And I definitely think the fans help keep me down as opposed to... Um, like leaving it at a higher humidity, right? 50 is a little too low for me just because I can achieve that in my house really oh, easily. What? Well, my house has the built-in... Oh, yeah, you have a humidifier in your mm. here, you bitch. <laughs> I mean, sorry. <laughs> so during the winter, like, my house just sits at 45 to 50. It doesn't really ever get down to the Not 30. all of us have that luxury. I know, it's yeah. bougie. But, so I, I strive for more of the 76 to 90 is... Yeah. Well, me. like my off-brand Ikea cabinet, it sits 50 to 60, maybe a little higher after I just water it. So like that's kind of a middle ground. Mm -hmm. If I really want something to be in humidity, humidity, it goes in the tent. Yeah. Yeah. I keep, I think uh, it's been a while since I've had hygrometers in any of my humidity enclosures, but I, I believe most of them stay between 80 and 95% humidity all the time. Uh, and even in there, sometimes I'll put things inside of Ziploc bags that yep. I want to be like fully 100%. enclosed yep. in moisture. Yep. Um, and it's, it's kind of a, a mental transition, like just coming to terms with the fact that some things actually can just, they benefit from really, really high enclosed humidity. And theriums. It, yeah. It's just weird. Like m my mom, who's been growing plants for decades was, I was telling, I was explaining to her about prop boxes and she was so like, wow, why doesn't it grow mold? Like, why, why aren't you just growing mold? So, yeah, the reality is if you do it right, you can grow, you can propagate. It's usually beneficial to propagate in really high humidity. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, that's kind of the Christine, humidity you just remind, you just reminded me I have to set a reminder to go propagate, uh, pollinate my anthurium. <laughs> I forgot to do it this morning. Go make some in more anthuriums. The makes and babies. Um, any other accessories, you guys? We cover everything. Hygrometers are nice. Oh, yeah. Um, that way you know what you're working with. Mm -hmm. And you can also use a hygrometer to prove that taking a shower only raises humidity <laughs> in your bathroom for 10 minutes. Right. And then it goes back to normal immediately. So and humidity. you get the hygrometers that have the temp sensors on them as well. That is yeah, nice. So then nice you can too. see how much benefit you are getting if you are getting the temperature boost inside. Maybe mm -hmm. a lot of people put grow tents in their basement because they have space down there and transforms a previously unplantable space into a oasis. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, heat mats, like oh, I keep yeah. a heat mat, a pretty large heat mat on the floor of my basement grow tent and it makes a huge difference. That worked for you. Mine didn't work. So I need to get the same grow heat mat that you have and try that this next winter. Yeah, it's like a big thick rubber one. Yeah, and I just have the little... 10 by 20 green writing mm -hmm. on black ones. Yeah. The one that those. I have, you can't set plants directly on top of it. gets too warm. Oh. It's, it's made for like your shoes in the winter, boots, like to warm and dry your stuff. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah. I want to, I want to know what that is. I want one. Yeah. It was like sitting, I think it was my roommates and. And you stole it? Yeah. Well, he, didn't, <laughs> he, he never used it. He never used it. He was like, I think he got it for Lency. Like, oh, it would be warm. Like she likes sitting in the sun and in the winter, there's not much of that. So, so you took originally away for the dog heated bed. Well, she, it's just, she, we tried it and she hated it. And so we just put it in the basement and then I was like, Hey, it's in the basement. I'm going to try it. And right. it was, it 
was highly beneficial. So maybe maybe look into yeah. heat mats. Because I, I ended up putting my grow tent on a swatch of carpet, and that helped a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the yeah, the heat mats I had weren't doing anything, and I had three going, so. Yeah. I'm going to try yours. That I feel like that, I can't think of any other accessories. Humidifier if you need it. Yeah. Not really. If you, you need, really it. need it. <sighs> Otherwise, yeah. I mean, I for a while I would do just like open containers of water. That helps. Yeah. A I think, would you get a certain, like, threshold of plants inside of a... Right. Uh, it does a job for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. inside of a grow tent. Like, it just will... The humidity will just start going up. So... Uh, and sticky traps for when the fungus gnats eventually do get in there. Yeah. That's an accessory you might want to think about. <laughs> or some of those stratiolalaps. Those little <laughs> work so well. The beneficial bugs. Oh, yeah. okay. That you just drop them in your soil and they eat everything in a week and all your gnats are gone. Whoa. I know. Cool. Should we each touch on a mistake we made that we want to warn everybody else about? I think I, and when I was talking about mine with those way too strong LED panels for how far away they were and then adding in the humidifier. Cause I, when I was having like a hundred percent humidity all day long, mold did set in and that was a no, no. So you just got to work with what works with you and find that nice balance to make it happen. Yeah, I can. I can agree. I think the mold is more is maybe even more likely if you're using a humidifier versus just relying on the ambient humidity mm-hmm. emitted by plant growing and soil. But I don't even know if I can think of like what what are the prominent. I feel like I've made so many mistakes and learned along the way. Mm-hmm. But just like figuring out lights and how much light and what what is bleaching the foliage and that whole process was. F- full of mistakes mm-hmm. and putting things directly in soil and then having them rot inside of a grow tent. That's just, that's been a learning process for me, learning curve. Um, yeah. I would say my first shot at a uh, growing in a closed container, I went for the 100% humidity because I was like, Oh yeah, this is what I want. Not the case. And then also trying to find the balance between air, humidity, airflow, to achieve that like perfect balance. Uh, it definitely took a little bit of work and experimenting and being willing to change things around and see what works best and learn from others. So I'm, I'm happy where I'm at now. Hmm. Do you guys want to fin- want to finish off with our plant of the week? Yes. I know Adam's plant is his brevimosa. <laughs> what? That's not true. <laughs> I, I did just a pot of extremely gorgeous begonia brevimosa and it's really pink and probably cooler than anything else you've ever seen. And you can check out our uh, show art and that will show you Adam <laughs> with his brev. Yeah. <laughs> which I also was kind of trying to hold it as like, wait till it gets really, really huge and then like have it be a big reveal. But well, I guess we'll do progress updates on our or show could art. Just take a, take a small snippet and be like, look at this leaf. <laughs> You can't see the whole thing. No, but I feel like I can I can tell you that another the real plant of the week for this week is my Monster Tie constellation, Ooh. which has recently been returned home from its extended stay at my parents' house while I was in Peru, and I forgot to get it when I went up to Duluth uh, right when I got home from Peru. But it's put out some nice leaves and it's like maturing. It doesn't have the best brightest variegation, but the fact that it's growing really well and satisfyingly is is making up for the lack of crazy variegation on that guy. This is my plant of the week. It's my begonia immense. I measured him today for a Facebook post, and he is four feet by four feet, and he takes up the whole space of this window. Very nice. He's huge. It originally came from a plant from my mom. Yep. Adam gave me cuttings, but begonia. What is it? January 1st, 2021. Oh, yeah. It's begun your rincinifolia or something like that. Rincinifolia. Mm -hmm. Um, My plant of the week. Everything's kind of annoying me right now. (laughs) It's fine. I'm just in one of those like. Fuck those guys. Like that's a whole episode of plant lulls, plant burnout. Mm. Uh, If it counts, because I've only had it for like a month now, but I'm going to probably take credit on my Billyettia, even though Galen Crone has grown it for the most So part. I get two plants for the week, just like Adam this week. But I can take credit for the most recent leaf because it is gorgeous and beautiful. So yeah. I'll put my Billyettia in. I had I, it for a month. It's officially Christ- my plant. Christine and I split a Billyettia because it was like 60 bucks. And we're like, we'll split it and each pay $30 because we're all cheap. 
and I grew it for the longest time. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to cut it. I air layered it, I cut it, I propped it. And then I couldn't decide which one to give Christine. I was like, do I want to keep the top cut? Or do I want to give Christine the bottom cut? It's like the bottom cut might put out bigger leaves faster because it has the roots and it also has two growth points. And even though it's smaller, it might be a better plant. And I was like, ooh, but the top one looks really good. And it kept putting out these amazing leaves. And I finally said, I'll just give Christine the better one. Because last time I made her wait a year for the Tandarusa. <laughs> and then I regretted it because it put out a huge, it was like a 14 and a half inch leaf. No, it's that 17 and a no, half no, no, right no. now. The one that I, oh, the last one I grew was The like last one you grew was 17. Ooh. The one I am currently harding off is currently at 17 and a half. Ooh, and it's, it's fatter. It's nice. I yeah. love that guy. Oh, I can't wait till nice my plant. mind gets... Big. Especially it's your variegated one. It's gonna get big. It, this summer is the summer because I'm done just chopping it's a hot girl summer, summer. <laughs> <laughs> for Billy. Yes. <laughs> yes, girl. So, all right. Well, thank you all to all of our listeners for tuning into another episode of Wrath. Wrath around the hedges. Stay rough, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye bye.